is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vunganye. Thank you for joining us. Liberians are getting ready to head to the polls in a highly contested election. Candidates are hoping to capture that critical youth vote. A, a lot of young people turn out to register. So register, registering to vote and having a voting card is one thing, but voting is a whole different part of the story. That is Panema Lobe with Accountability Lab, a civic organization based in Monrovia. She joins us to talk about voter education and some of the election issues driving Liberians to the polls. We have to be very honest and very honest about the fact that development is the only way forward. We talked about the discontent in Africa that has led to um, coups in the Sahel um, and how it, it seemingly presents itself as if democracy is not working. But it's not that democracy is not working. It's just that democracy has not delivered the dividend of democracy. Nigerian researcher and journalist Evelyn Epele talks to us about her coverage of the recently concluded UN General Assembly. But first, as always, we hear from you, our listeners. We asked the question, if you were in a position of leadership, how would you resolve the issue of youth unemployment in Africa? These were some of your suggestions. Um, my name is Immaculate from Kampala, Uganda. First, uh, some of the solutions that I would provide to curb down employment would unemployment rather would mainly be empower job creators more more of job creators than the job seekers because so many educated people are yet unemployed and then you find them going into businesses however not majority not all of them are capable of having the capital to to start businesses or even own them okay my name is Opetum Philbert I'm a Pan-Africanist if I was an authority and I'm a leader some of the things I would introduce which will which will reduce unemployment in Africa I would introduce hands-on skills to my youth and the education system of Africa has to be changed I would make sure that we must believe in ourselves utilize our resources uh, St. Peter Robert to create more companies and factories so that we youth as we, we can get uh, more jobs and so that we can change our lives they could do they can first fight, fight corruption. After fighting corruption, that's when people can do it. Can get, I think, more jobs and the interested things. Many thanks to all of you for your contribution to our question of the day. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. And let's start off in Liberia. The West African nation of 5 million people, a majority of which are youth, is preparing to head into general elections on October the 10th. Voters will be selecting their next president and legislators. The country's electoral body, the National Elections Commission, says that more than 2.4 million voters are registered to vote. The incumbent president, former soccer star George Weir, will be seeking a second term and he will be contesting in a crowded field of candidates who say that he failed to live up to his promises of creating jobs and investing in education and infrastructure. Panama Lobe is a communications officer with Accountability Lab, a civic organization based in Monrovia. She tells me that for youth, registering to vote is one thing. The challenge is to actually get out to the polls on election day. Who are some of the candidates 
and some of the platforms that are they are campaigning on. Oh, so this year uh, is really funny. Is is really funny for me because I feel like every political party has some logo or some tag to their to their party name this year. So for uh, uh, the the incumbent uh, for CDC, they are hope we can count on or yeah. And then for UP this year, they have the so we have the fixers, we have um, the broom. Who uh, so the broom sweeping corruption out of Liberia? Yes. <laughs> so we have the changer. I mean, there are a lot of interesting names around. Yeah. But um, most of the uh, for the incumbent, what we are hearing for his platform is mostly about uh, creation of uh, jobs for civil uh, civil servants. They are talking about education that they pay high school student white fees. They are talking about a road connectivity. And for the other people, they are talking about the issue of drug in the, in the, in the country among the youth. They are talking about the economic condition within the country. So, I mean, a lot of interesting things are going on right now. How does the history of Liberia, the recent past history from the Bola pandemic to the conflict, how do those issues factor in these elections, in these coming elections? Well, yes, our elections are talking about, uh, speaking of uh, uh, health, people are talking about the very poor health uh, situation, uh, delivery situation in Liberia, where you have uh, national hospitals can't even provide drugs for their citizens and government officials will fly their families out of here to get medical attention. People are talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And some of these politicians, they are talking about it, but a lot of them are talking about economic empowerment. A few are talking about education. But the citizens are looking, they they, they have an overall idea of what the issues are, ranging from the healthcare delivery, education, and from infrastructure development, as well as economic issues. How is the confidence of Liberians in the electoral system, in the process, in the fact that the, the Electoral Commission can deliver the kind of results that reflect the people's uh, voices? So uh, people are hoping that the NEC will do their best. Uh, they have been doing that over the years. So people are hopeful that this year wouldn't be any different. So what are some of the changes, the new changes that have been made uh, by the Electoral Commission to facilitate voter registration? The key challenge, uh, the key um, in- introduction of the NEC this year has been with the biometric voter registration process, which will in turn see uh, the biometric voters voting system. And um, like I was saying previously, um, from the onset, we civil society had a few um, questions about the system, um, given the fact that we still have. Um, electricity issues in Liberia. There are counties in this country that don't have access to electricity. We also have issues with uh, road connectivity, which even when we were using the paper ballot system was a major challenge, right? There will be counties that after the elections day, it will, it will take maybe a day or two or, or for hours before the NEC officials can assess these ballot papers. So we thought that this might be a challenge, but NEC said that it wouldn't be. So we are looking forward to seeing the great outcome of it. We have, um, yeah, we are hoping for the best, but that that is like the major introduction this year 
for Liberia. Biometrics is the way to go really in most elections nowadays for election security and, and accessibility and all that stuff. But the question again is, how is that going to be possible if a good number of people don't have access to electricity and these machines need uh, power for them to be working? Um, so let me ask you, what kind of mobilization has there been so far in terms of reaching out to the electorate by the different parties, from the ruling party to the opposition parties? Obviously, these political parties um, are reaching out to their supporters and to other citizens. Um, the the campaigning process is is on. Currently, um, President Weir, I think he's in Lofa County right now. And also before him, we have um, another politician, one in, but I mean, they are going out in the counties and not just with Montserrat County. So they are trying to seek out votes for their parties, obviously. And it, it has been huge, uh, given the fact that the time for elections is not, it's not really long. And I like to, I like to think that with, with every elections, people already know who they want. But if you want them on your side, you just have to convince them a little more. What are some of the issues that are driving voters this year? This year, people are talking about the um, the economic condition within the country. They are talking about uh, the cost of living condition within the country. Civil servants are talking about the issues of uh, salary payment and formalization. I mean, there are a lot of issues around elections this year. Pane Malobe is a communications officer with Accountability Lab, a civic organization based in Monrovia. How important is the youth vote in these upcoming elections? For any election and for any democracy to, to flourish, it takes the youth. And this year, the young people are out. They are out. And we have a lot of uh, first-time voters, and that's where some of our um, educational uh, materials have been focused uh, speaking with first-time voters, encouraging them to come out to vote, um, telling them the importance of their right, um, and also about them making key decisions that is not influenced by political parties or maybe their family members, but they should think about themselves, their future, the current status of the country, and that's what we have been focusing. I mean, it's really key, and that's where a lot of politicians are also focusing with the first-time voters, so they are trying to reach out more to them. Right. So you've seen a lot of outreach towards young people, those that are coming of age, those that are that are going to be voting for the first time. What, what would you say is the percentage of new voters? Is it a substantial number if you don't be without even giving me the, a, a specific figure? Um, so a, a lot of young people turn out to register. So register, registering to vote and having a voting card is one thing. But voting is a whole different part of the story. And there are a lot of factors that will influence people term- turning out to vote or not. And one of those things could be uh, voter appetite in terms of the current economic situation in the country. Um, the lives of the people haven't really changed. So a lot of young people that we are hearing will be like, they are saying, why? What, what's the importance of voting right now? Why should I go and vote? Why maybe am I changing this person? Why am I bringing another person in when politicians are all the same? They only come to power and reach themselves, um, uh, loot the country resources and, and do things that they are pleased with, employ their own family members. And I mean, just carry out 
forms of governance that is not befitting for nation building. So that's another thing. So we need to we need to encourage a lot of young or love a lot of these young people to turn out to vote. And young people should also be the ones encouraging their peers to vote because once you are educated, you understand the importance of your vote as a young person. There are other people that you can influence by your decision or your conversation with them. And that's why we are working closely with the young people. That was Pane Malobe, a communications officer with Accountability Lab, a civic organization based in Liberia's capital, Monrovia. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is our moment. Together with footballers like Steven Pinar, we are speaking out to end malaria. Malaria is preventable and treatable. Sleep under an insecticide-treated mosquito net every night. Go to a health center at the first sign of fever for testing and appropriate treatment. Let's do it. United, we can beat malaria. Hey, 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 what it do, what it do? Hey, what's up, everybody? Have you heard your homeboy, Jackson Bungani, is getting upfront and direct with you. Upfront looks at issues that affect you, interesting news, and of course, music, entertainment, celebrities, you name it, they will talk about it. On, on the, the Voice of, of America. America. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani. Thank you so much for joining us. The annual UN General Assembly concluded last week in New York City. Many African leaders spoke at the gathering about their desire for sustainable development and the need to re-establish global solidarity in the midst of a changing world. In his address, Ghana's President Nana Akufo-Addo blamed Africa's present-day challenges on what he said were, quote, historical injustices, and he called for reparations for the slave trade. Meanwhile, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa said that the African continent seeks to, quote, regain its position as a site of human progress, despite dealing with a legacy of exploitation and subjugation. And Nigeria's President Bola Tinubu, making his first appearance at Anga, called on his peers to see Africa not as a problem to be avoided, but, quote, as true friends and partners. Nigerian journalist and researcher Evelyn Epele traveled from the capital Abuja to cover the UN meetings in New York. On her way back, she passed through our studios here at the Voice of America to chat with me about her trip and some of the overarching themes covered by Africa's leaders. So the 78th uh, UN General Assembly in New York City that you traveled all the way from Abuja to come here and cover. So let's talk about how the experience was for you. What was New York like? I know the traffic must have been off the charts. Yes. <laughs> Not unlike uh, Lagos, um, your former home. <laughs> um, it was great. I think that... Uh I had the advantage of not being a first-timer because, you know, I've had the opportunity to participate at the Onger events in the, in the previous years. Mm. Um, but I think for any first-timer, it can be overwhelming because New York was just, like, jammed with a lot of people. Um, and it can be very confusing as well because you have too many events going on at the same time in different parts of the city. Mm. Um, and most of these events... I would say all of these events, out of respect from for the organizers as well, all of these events are very relevant, depending on where your, your interest, interest lies. Is. Yes, um, yes. You know, so 
one of the things I struggled with um, was determining where to be at what time. Um, and the fact that you're participating in one event means you're effectively missing, missing out on another one, event. Which quite be um, quite important too. Exactly. Uh, but when, when people hear about the UN General Assembly or people coming for anger, they're thinking that you're coming to the UN inside the building to watch the president so that the world leaders give these speeches. But there's more to it than just that. Right. There's all these events, and you did attend some of the events. But before we talk about we talk about the events, let's talk about anger itself. What are some of the issues that were raised uh, this year? Any overarching themes, especially coming from Africa with the African leaders? Um, it was nice to see. One of the things that stood out for me was. Uh, the front lining of women at Onga and if you see even now on, on X as it's called Twitter, Twitter. Um, the the Onga president uh, specifically highlighted women particip- female participation at Onga and all of the women that were giving the opportunity to even speak um, at Onga and that was interesting because in the previous years we didn't you know, typically it was very no, very male dominated. Well, I was avoiding that, but yes, thanks for going straight to that. <laughs> um, it was very male dominated, actually. So, I was delighted to see, you know, speaking of themes, that women sort of were front lined um, at this year's events, and mm-hmm. that was really good. That's awesome. That's good to hear. But again, in terms of the issues covered, what was said in terms of, um, I guess climate change, and then democracy on the continent? Uh, The key theme was actually on solidarity. Um, The entire event was all about rebuilding trust um, and sort of reigniting, that's the word that was used, global solidarity. So it was all about how do we not just draw parallels, but also find commonalities among nations. Um, When you look at Africa, and I think we've spoken about this in the past, it's like, For every time you read a story of something going on in Nigeria, if you take away the word Nigeria and replace that with Kenya or Zimbabwe or Malawi or Gabon, the story would still be true. Absolutely. Um, And and I think that speaking of solidarity, it, it has become very apparent on the need for us to sort of foster collaboration and sort of work together. In solving some of these issues. In solving some of these issues. And that really was what the emphasis was at the at the 78th session mm. um, and even on a personal level I was just speaking earlier on how you had to decide on what events to be at one of the things that helped a lot was also finding other journalists or other people who were at Onga that had similar um, interests and so we would I would say oh I'm going to be at XYZ side event and you can be at XYZ side event um, and since they're happening at the same time mm. and right after the event we, we can, can we can just share notes and mm. synthesize ideas um, and, and I think that that worked well so it's like I didn't feel like I missed out on anything because I had my friends at all of the events that I wanted to be at mm. and I was at events that they wanted to be at and then we found a way to sort of like reconcile our ideas um, and I think that when we apply that to even the participation of world leaders it was the same um, so I saw a lot of solidarity in the idea and there was consensus on the need to work together collaboration was a key word mm. um, that was used repeatedly but I really hope that words would match actions um, especially now that it's done and everyone is back to their countries. Um, it's easier to say we're right, going to work together. Right, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope that words and actions match. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen so many great speeches made on the podium at the UN General Assembly, and they really never 
translate into any concrete action and many of them use this uh, as a platform to air out whatever grievances they have with, with other countries or uh, but never really to speak to the reality of what is going on and taking ownership of, mm. you know personal ownership on some of the of the, the on, on what they they have done or the what they're doing to solve some of these issues to create the issue and then to solve the issue um in terms of uh, Nigeria what were some of the top priorities for the country coming into anger that you felt uh, maybe needed to be articulated on a global platform of this nature um climate change is such a big issue and, and even president buhari has spoken on climate change um in the past and um, it was really nice to see continuity in terms of the ideas that were being discussed um specifically on climate change climate adaptation mitigation strategies um even policies in nigeria are not entirely new but there's been a lot of hiccups when it comes to um the implementation of policies and a lot of policies have always failed at implementation um so we're also looking at how does the role of technology sort of help to bolster implementation efforts um president tinubu gave a quite a remarkable speech i guess um that's the word that's been used to describe it um and it was nice to also see participation of even the nigerian delegation in terms of like the ministers i was happy to see um Minister Bosutijani as well was very active at the events um he was at a number of events um rallying around um the idea of youth participation in governance digital innovation that was very good as well so um i think team nigeria was ably represented i'll say this is upfront on the voice of america we're chatting with nigerian journalist and researcher evelyn epele evelyn traveled from abuja to cover the UN General Assembly meetings in New York City commonly known as ANGA This is uh, the first ANGA for Tinubu President Tinubu which comes i believe was it is it is it 100 days yet since he took over power yes, officially yes 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 it's yeah. been more than that more than 100 days how did he perform how was he on a global stage of is this something that really most nigerians even care about well yes i'll say yes because um when the president is in nigeria and effectively speaking from asurok um there is tendency for people to assume that you know he has maybe support um or he's been uh would i say packaged in a way but when it's a global platform then there is a sense of uh, objectivity that's mm. been provided um and it was nice to just see that the president could stand and read out his speech and you know communicate i guess i don't know what that would do for other people but you know the optics was just great to see mm. um in terms of the content of his speech i liked the the focus that he gave um on diversification um that's an issue that a lot of nigerian presidents have not effectively addressed it's like how do we diversify economic diversification um speaking on he even spoke about ai which i think was quite interesting mm-hmm. to hear the president speak on technology and how nigeria um our economic growth plan basically so that was very good but like i said words and actions need to match and i'm happy that even the un um emphasized on the need to catalyze action to meet the 2030 sustainable development goals because it's all about action we can be here and have all these cute conversations you know the speech was really nice mm. it was well written well delivered but is what is the action what happens next mm. what would you what would you say are some of the 
of uh, arching policy objectives of this new administration in, in Nigeria? What are they trying to achieve, at least in the first year of administration for Tinubu? Um, they've talked about um, catalyzing growth uh, through economic, Econo- economic growth, economic growth mm-hmm. um, especially through the use of um, digitization, you know. And I keep talking about Minister Bosun because he was one of the ministers who was out here. He was on the entourage um, of the president as well. And he featured in a number of events emphasizing that. Um, But again, I keep talking about action. And it's like, I can say that a hundred times because that's what's lacking um, um, Jackson. It's like, we have all these brilliant ideas on the table, but when will we get to doing Mm. as opposed to just speaking on it? I, I really want to have conversations about what we have done and not what we're planning to do. Right. Let's talk about the, uh, the, the one of the events that you attended on the sidelines of anger. Uh, uh, women in uh, political leadership, uh, you spoke about barriers in participation for women uh, in politics on the continent. What did, uh, I guess, what was the thesis and what, what, what did you say or what did they say? Uh, who was at the event? What did they present? And... I guess what what was the conclusion in terms of what is stopping women from being part of the you know nation building on the continent? Yeah, um, that event was such a great one. I think it was even the favorite one um, of all the side events that I attended at Onga, um, mostly because I had chance a chance to also meet some of my heroes. Or would I say sheroes? Um, we had Marcelif Johnson was there. Um, Amina Garifakim was there, and um, we had. Amina J. Mohammed from the United Nations was also there. Um, and even Dr. Obi Ezekwesili, who is the founder of the School of Politics, Policy and Governance that I will be graduating from in a couple of weeks. Um, she was also there as well. And just seeing that gathering of, you know, rather strong political leaders who are women was very empowering to me as a young woman. Mm. Um, and I'll say that because the political space can be corrosive and can be... Um, too tough or too tense for women. Um, The the feminine nature is the expectation of the femininity is softness, you know, and and when women come through as tough or strong, you know, they they sort of break loose from their femininity. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not really how this event contextualize the role of women in politics. One of the things I enjoyed was um, having a one-on-one conversation with um, the first female president of Mauritius, um, Amin Agarib Fakim, who said to me, you can be humble and also powerful. And it was interesting to hear that because that's not the kind of reinforcement that we get as young girls every day. It's almost like power is or must be correlated with some with level of dominance yes, or force. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that um, we had all those women in the building looking so beautiful, so soft-spoken, and still very powerful. Very powerful yeah. I think that um, that made a lot of sense. Um, and also, uh, the former president, Selif Johnson, also spoke about the need for mentorship and pouring into the younger girls. Um, I think that one of the things that have not really worked well for women is, you know, the woman-to-woman mentorship. Um, I'm sure the passing you, down of the, knowledge, the passing down yeah. of knowledge, the passing down of opportunities. Um, and I'm happy that the conversations were so candid that we also addressed um, some of the issues that prevents women from mentoring other women. Um, lots of emotions in the air, um, ego issues as mm. well. All of that were effectively addressed. And I was also happy that not just that it was addressed as thesis, but it was addressed as 
all these powerful women telling their own stories and what they had to go through in order to attain the very height of political leadership, whether in their countries or in their counties. Um, and so just listening to all those stories, you know, was rather and reassuring. experiences. Very, very that personal. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. So you're going back to Nigeria. What is the one thing you're taking away from, I guess, these last two weeks for you here in the U.S.? The key word for me is honesty. I think we are at a point now where we cannot afford to be dishonest, especially with ourselves. I think the worst kind of tragedy would be not just telling a lie um, in public, but also telling a lie to ourselves. We have to be very honest and very honest about the fact that development is the only way forward. We talked about the discontent in Africa that has led to um, coups in the Sahel um, and how it, it seemingly presents itself as if democracy is not working. But it's not that democracy is not working. It's just that democracy has not delivered the dividend of democracy. And so now people have been, have been are pushing back mm. on the idea of democracy because mm. it doesn't deliver mm. as contextualized. Um, so I want us to be a lot more honest with ourselves. Let us focus on the issues. When we speak on climate change, we don't need vague examples that climate change is real. It's right in front of us. We can see it. Um, how do we respond to that? So let's cite the issues, accept the fact that we're in, in a very tough crisis situation and just move for the action. It's time to take action, Jackson. Action, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended Evelyn thank you so much for coming it's good to see you same here and finally meet thank you in you. person and with that we come to the end of our show today many thanks to all of you our listeners whether you tuned in online at voaafrica.com or on radio on FM or our shortwave frequencies remember to connect with us on our social media platforms we are at VOA Upfront on Instagram on YouTube and on Facebook until next time I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa.